Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Hey dreamers. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you can hear it, but I am in one of the most exotic dreamlike, beautiful locations in the whole world. You, you can't even imagine where I am right now. And so this podcast is coming, you, coming to you live from the car. Don't you love that? And I'm going to tell you all about how dreams can be created even in a car. Because guess what? The 12-month-plus adventure overseas in Europe has now come to a close and we are back in Australia and we are on a comeback campaign, baby. And it is awesome. It truly is. It's been amazing. The energy, I just love the energy of a good sport comeback. I'm not talking about the phase, you know, when you're watching a good comeback, not the phase where the team is in the dumps and they realize they're losing and that the scoreline isn't in their favor. Like not that kind of comeback. I'm talking about the energy of a comeback when a team realizes, you know what, it can't get lower from here, we're down, and now the only direction is up and that we can rise. So this is the kind of comeback we're into, and it is exciting, it has momentum, it has direction, it has possibility, and it has hope, so it's so great. And so, part of the comeback involves us finding a new house, and because we haven't found one yet, we are living with our in-laws or Natalie's parents. And so in a small little house with a four-year-old or an almost four-year-old, that means there's no place to record the podcast. But guess what? There's always a way. And I think it's Marie For- Folio, Forleo who says, everything is figureoutable. And so I figured it out. I'm like, man, this was the best idea I ever had. I should have been doing this in Switzerland too. <laughs> Anyway, today is not about all that. It's not about so much this idea of the comeback because that is something important and we will, Nat and I will both speak to that. But today, I this has just really been on my mind. This idea that attraction marketing is anything but passive. 
Now, the reason this has really come up is because Nat and I attended a sport tech conference in Melbourne a couple of days ago. And while we were there, um, it's it's sort of a new field for both of us. It's something that's really engaging in and getting excited about technology and innovation in so many areas. So we thought, okay, well, let's upskill. Let's learn the lingo. Let's learn, um, you know, what people are caring about. Where is technology really at? Because there's a lot of goss out there about AI and all this kind of stuff. A lot of fear about where the future's headed. Um, and you know what? Going there, it was great because it just showed that literally that it is fear and it's based not on reality at all because AI is just not where the scary movies, um, you know, that we all watched and got afraid of what's, you know, what the future could hold. It's just not even there. And it's just AI is so, um, such a smart way of helping to collect data and understand information and understand people better. So anyways, that's not what today's about either. It was this amazing notice around attraction. So Nat and I are in, I don't know, there was thousands of people there and, you know, knew a couple, but not really. And Nat was very clear of some of the people, like literally the reason why we flew a couple hours across the country to go to this conference. And she, you know, she knew she was doing some things in some countries. So she knew someone that she really wanted to connect with. And yeah, so there's a couple of key, um, hookups that Nat was clear about. I knew why I was going. Um, you know, I've been really delving into the wellness space and, and how we can use technology to advance it and help athletes engage. So, you know, I knew my purpose in being there. So here's what was interesting. I remember the first break, Nat and I decided to tackle the conference. You know, there's certain rooms. And so it was like, okay, you go to room A and I'll go to room C type thing. And so as we did that, when we went to meet up, we were on our own. And we agreed at a place to meet. So I sat down and I was literally about to get out my phone and do a little bit of work because I was thinking, oh man, this is a good little space. Maybe I can get 15 minutes of work done. And I was about to do that. And I thought, no, put your phone away. Be present. Like just be here. Remember why you're here and be here. I really had no expectation. I just, I guess I was just practicing being present, you know, being really, um, aware of why I was there. So anyway, that's all I was doing. And a woman, um, she looked over and she walked straight over and she said, Oh, can I sit next to you? And I said, yeah, sure. And she was really friendly straight away. And, um, she was amazing. She told me about her and her son and they've created something called fit mind, the fit mind app, I think. Um, and her son is one of the youngest players for the Australian soccer team. And she was describing, you know, this whole idea of her son and, and how athletes, young kids are really responding to this 16 year old's mental approach to the game and how it's because it's coming from a 16 year old, they can't get enough of it. And I was like, man, that's exactly what I came here for. I want athlete engagement. I want to know what young people care about, what they're actually going to engage in, knowing that they are hungry for mindset stuff, but perhaps not so aligned with the current delivery, you know, because I try to, so often I remember, I'm like, when I was, you know, below 20, what was I responsive to? Was I responsive to the kinds of things that I want to create for young athletes? You know, probably not. So the mind of this 40 something is not the same mind of the under 20. So anyway, I just share that because that was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. 
And just, you know, when her and I were really getting our groove on and our flow on, I looked over and I could see Nat chatting to the one person that she was looking for. And I thought, that's so cool. And so, you know, networking was occurring in a really fluid way. And then there was other times where um, Nat was wanting to connect with someone and it just wasn't working. It was like she was trying, waiting and waiting and there they were and it was getting all awkward and weird and... And you know that moment when you know you're forcing it? Like that was going on. And so today is like a discussion around what attraction marketing, and I'm just using that term because a lot of people are talking about it, but what is attracting really about? And I feel that it's like this oscillation between passive waiting and forceful trying too hard. And both those things are an attraction. But I do think they are the way that we find the sweet spot, you know? And I, I read a book um, a long time ago, actually, called Power Versus Force. But it doesn't even matter the content. The only thing I remember from that book was this line that said, any force will result in an equal and opposite counterforce. Force will never work in the end. And I was like, wow, like for me, I was a try hard athlete, meaning my way of getting great at sport was to practice and try and try and try and try and try. And so this whole idea of forcing it as a, you know, basically this idea that you can't force it. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And so I began to wonder, well, what else is there? So the question, you know, kind of begs like, so how do I attract? I kind of get how not to do it. But how do you actually attract? And one of the things is understanding what that word even means. And, you know, attraction or law of attraction even is this whole idea that you draw that which is like unto itself. Okay, that's really weird language for basically um, magnetizing or moving something toward yourself that is like you. So ironically, you, you know, I use the word magnet and maybe I shouldn't because in the law of attraction, you cannot repel anything. You cannot actually push something away. And this is a big, this is why force doesn't work because oftentimes when we're forcing something, the, the key element there is I don't want such and such to happen or I don't want to miss out on. Like FOMO is like based on force. I just realized that. This whole idea of I don't want to miss out is like a, a negative attractor, meaning it's like actually what you're attracting is missing out. That's crazy. I just, I, I wouldn't mean to talk about that, but I just realized that. So this whole idea of repelling is what I think, um, you know, gets us all murked up. And this is where it's a lifelong practice because I think that since we are very young, we've been taught how to use I don't want, like even, um, I didn't, I'm not trying to make a political play on this, but at daycare in Australia, at least, and I, I'm pretty sure that I heard them saying this in Switzerland, in the creche, in French. So it's pretty universal from French Switzerland to Australia. They teach kids to say, stop, I don't like this. And it's like, it's trying to teach kids to, you know, honor their space and be clear and assertive, right? So in so many ways, that's awesome. So I don't really want to get political on that. But what I do want to notice is from an early age, we are taught to push against. Literally, they teach the kids to put their hand up and push 
away. Like, away. I don't like this. Ooh, wow. So what I, all I want to say here on that, I don't want to get too political on that. All I want to say is that from a very early age, we are taught to repel things, say things that we don't like. But the law of attraction says that you're still drawing to yourself that thing that you don't want because it's a yes universe. It's a yes. It just knows how to say yes. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I don't like it. Yes, yes, yes. It's like whatever you say after that word, it's a yes to. So isn't that interesting? So this whole idea, how do I attract, basically means that you have to be that which you want to draw to yourself. Hmm. If that ain't an active process, I don't know what it is. Because to me, that is so active. Um, you know, just, just to take a little sideline on this whole idea of being in order to draw to yourself. Um, I'll never forget when I traveled with the Australian archery team um, that was going to the Olympics in 2012. And I'd never, I didn't know a lot about archery, um, but what I did know a lot about was mindset and how to help these athletes with their concentration and their breathing. And I loved it. And a lot of the kids were, so we kind of had a, a range under 20s and then over 30. So, or even over 40. So it's an interesting sport in that way. Anyway, Number one in the world for many, many years in archery is they always originate, not always, but mostly from Korea. So this is the dominating force in archery worldwide. And so when we went to Korea for a camp, we got to stay in this small little village in a training camp. And what was interesting is the minute that our van pulled up and we got our bags out, there was this man who kind of like slid in gracefully to help us with our bags. And I kept seeing this older man, like maybe 80s, maybe 90s. He had this really good posture and it was like he did not make noise when he walked. That's what I noticed. Funny enough, how the heck did I notice him? But even though he was so silent, he had a presence because inexplicably, I noticed him. Now, there was also a Korean, a famous Korean coach there helping the Australian athletes. However, this man really there was something about him. I, I can't explain it. And look, it all made total sense to me when um, the Korean coach was describing to the Australian athletes how archery is in the lifeblood of Koreans. And that for them, it's like a, not a religion, but like a prayer, a way of being. And he, so he described, imagine to these under 20 year olds, how every single thing that you do in your life is how you prepare for excellence, is how you prepare to win gold at the highest stage. And to him, that's just a form of excellence. And so he went on to describe, um, you know, anything from how you blow your nose to how you open the door, how you ensure that the door doesn't slam, like just this presence of excellence. And, you know, the coach had it, but he pointed out this, um, the man who was serving the place that we were staying, like he was serving the food, he was helping with the bags, and he was running basically this little um, training camp area. He ran the house where we were staying. Um, he was a very famous archer. And in their style, they actually make their own bow and arrow. So this is a whole kind of like meditation and how you create your implement. And it was like the man comes out and he just, this is like an old school kind of archery where they have this wooden bow and arrow and they 
they um, they launch it like high up into the air. And I can't remember how many meters away. You could hardly see the target. So it was different style than Olympic archery. But it was like incredible precision. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, this, we were walking amidst a master. And the funny thing is, there is no real distinction between his mastery with his bow and arrow and his mastery of life and his mastery of excellence. It was like, it was one thing. It's not separate. It's, it, he didn't do different, you know, when the scoreboards weren't there or when the, the bow and arrow is not there. Like this man was the epitome of excellence and um, precision, really. And so for me, why I share that story is because attraction is about understanding that each and every moment we have an opportunity to be that person that we want to draw to ourselves. Because oftentimes I think attraction is based on what we want and we forget that we draw to ourselves that which is like us. So really, that is not passive at all. That is a freaking very, very active process that needs to be at play. So one of the things that I remember early days um, when I started in a potential area of sales, which for me was like, I didn't even see it as sales. And that's the only reason why it had to, it got under my radar because I would have ran for the hills. And basically it was this idea that I attract those who are looking for what I have to offer. And what I love about that statement to this day and seven years later is that it saved me in the sales game and brought me out of icky sales. You know, the kind of sales, like forced sales, where you really feel like, that, that feeling that people have one agenda and it has nothing to do with you. Now, I do believe that we can sometimes believe that even when it's not happening because it's a story that we're running in our lives. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, but, you know, I noticed that, you know, passivity can come when you hear that word. I attract those who are looking for what I have to offer. Great. I can just hone up in my house watch Netflix and just like wait for those people that want what I've got. Oh, this is going to be great. And and it's almost like relaxes people. It's, it's cool. I don't have to go do anything now. And it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you can try that for a while and let me know how it goes. It often doesn't go great if all you're doing is sitting there lazily. And by the way, you can sit there like that man in Korea and probably be attracting the heck out of it because of the precision and presence that you hold merely by sitting there. But, you know, I'm talking about more the, um, the lazy, I don't, I just want to be distracted and I'm kind of afraid to do anything kind of sitting there watching Netflix. So here's the thing. I believe that the real, um, magic in attraction marketing is this idea of allowing, this idea that here, I'm actually going to say that a different way. Um, because I think that the active process is being in the active receiving of what you have asked for. So not only is it important to know what you want or the kind of customers or even what you have to offer, but are you in the receptive mode? Are you open to receiving? So Hum, that doesn't sound like something you can really nail down whilst watching Netflix. Now, I'm not dissing Netflix fully. I'm just dissing it as a means of attraction. 
it's attracting different stuff depending on what you're watching. Um, but again, the question, are you open to receiving? And I believe that you can, just like the man in Korea, you can hone this in everyday life. And it doesn't just have to be in the work environment or, you know, when you plug in nine to five. Um, this is something just like the man in Korea that you can do all the time. And if you practice being in the receiving mode, if that becomes where you're active, this is where this, this elusive, potentially elusive art of allowing really comes in. Because I believe allowing is a super active process. And in my opinion, it's a lifelong journey. You know, it's this idea, like the art of allowing for me is about noticing when you're forcing and when you're flowing and when you're just waiting. And there's nothing wrong with waiting, but it does or can connote a sense of passivity and not full presence, you know? So you can absolutely bring presence and do the work whilst waiting in a line. It's totally different than just waiting there almost like a bit fidgety, a bit of like, hey, this is holding me back or it's not moving fast enough, those kinds of things. So I'm talking about the art of allowing. So back to practicing being open to receiving. Ooh, I just want to take a breath with that because I, this is actually a huge deal. If you actually really get this on a cellular level, um, it'll change everything. It did for me. It was like, whoa. I don't really, I'm not great at receiving at all. <laughs> and now I really want to be great at it all of a sudden because I want to do great in my business and I want to do great in my relationships and I want to do good at networking. Like All of a sudden I wanted something that was at direct odds with this idea of receiving. I was like, oh, I'm, you know, was famous for the person who, when given a compliment, would make a joke would shrug it off, would, um, you know, I've learned in self-development to actually say thank you. And my um, journey with practicing receiving with compliments in particular, because I'm going to give you guys an array. I hope you're taking some notes. Well, if you're driving, okay, or running, fair. But go back and just listen to this piece on what you can practice, because you can practice each and every day with compliments. So if somebody pays you a compliment, Notice how you react. What do you say? So let's say you say something weird or you're evasive or you, you actually change the subject or anything like that. Just notice that. If you get to the point where I am where you start to say thank you, and that's a very huge step in the receiving zone, notice how that feels. Can you say thank you and nothing else? That was my step two. Once I got the thank you part, I thought, Oh, now I'm trying to fill the space because I'm getting weird and awkward because there was a lifetime of patterning for me around this idea of being complimented. It was things would come up like, oh, don't think you're too good. Don't think you're all that. Don't be cocky. You know, like just these kind of messages that I had kind of trained myself with. So when to say thank you and say nothing else. Ooh experience the discomfort. And there's nothing wrong with the discomfort. Just sit in it. It's like clouds. It passes. It does pass. But often we fill the space in the void. So another way to practice. So one is with compliments. Another one is when someone offers to pay for your meal. 
huh, this is where it gets hilarious. I've been there. And, you know, I think this still needs work for Nat and I. But when someone offers to pay for your meal, accept and receive it, say thank you. You know, this funny battle goes on like, no, let me get it. No, 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 you, you. And it's like this really awkward thing for the cashier. Like they're always looking at you like, and they're supposed to be the arbitrator. Like they're supposed to grab the right credit card in this mishmash of unsaids, like really weird tug and pull of energy. Maybe one person's going, oh, please, God, don't, you know, don't accept my offer. I don't know what people are going through, but basically learning how to receive when someone offers to pay your meal. I think a lot of people dream of being able to pay for other people's meals. And they, and that's amazing. But you know what's even more amazing? Being able to receive when somebody else pays for yours. That's a very profound um, practice. And when I went to um, meditation camp, I guess you could call it, Vipassana, which is 10 days no talking, um, and obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but one of the things is... Um, the two beautiful meals a day that are made by people that are volunteering. So they volunteer for the 10 days, they stay over and they are there to be of service. I've never tasted food like this. I mean, I'm not vegetarian. And so this food was so beautiful and so good and probably because it's made with love and service. But one of the key things, um, the messages of the, of Vipassana is to receive the meal to, and, and we don't speak. So it's, it's like a practice of receiving because you're being served. You never go back and ask for seconds. You receive that which they are serving you. It's a very deep practice. Third, allowing someone to carry your bag. Okay. Is that a big deal for anybody else but me? Um, I grew up playing baseball with all boys and being the I'm a girl and I can do anything that a boy can do, which led to, do you think anybody can carry my heavy bag? Hell no. You know, and I was just all about what I can do. Look how strong. And I was, I was like a really strong kid. I used to show everybody that I could lift my mom, that I could lift my brothers who were six foot, you know, like my really, really tall brother, six foot four. And I was always showing how strong I was, which resulted in, you know, two herniated discs in my back. Awesome. So my back has been my greatest teacher around being in the receptive zone because you have to, when your back goes out and you can't even get up off the floor, welcome to receiving. So I encourage you all to not need to go to that extreme and to let people carry your bag. So when you're at the carousel and your bag's there and someone offers and guess what, ladies, if it's a guy, it's not archaic. You're practicing the receptive zone. Say, yes, please. Thank you. And when, you know, I had to even ask for help. That's even more intense. So yeah, allowing someone to carry carry your bag. I'm going to rush through some of these other ones because there's so many good ones. Um, Letting somebody open the door for you. You know, allow chivalry to be present. You know, this idea, so... Again, I'm not going to get political because I'm rushing through some of these now, but allowing someone to open a door for you is a beautiful thing. And don't make it mean more than that. Um, it's not really about why they're doing it. It's about you allowing it and practicing the art of allowing and being receptive to the door being opened. And, you know, 
the same goes for, you know, when that door is being open and someone lets you go first, gracefully go f- receive it open. What a gift to be able and being offered to go first. F- um, so that was five, now six. Um, when someone offers you guidance or advice, what if you practiced receiving there too and you listen and are open with a beginner's mind? Now, the opposite, you know, of beginner's mind, you know, is that little bit that know-it-all. But I think sometimes, you know, maybe this is personal for me, but because my mom used to bug me and my brother about not being know-it-alls, but the opposite of know-it-all is not, I know nothing, you know, like pretending like you don't know anything, but rather I am open to new ways of looking at things that I've never considered before. Like, what if that's the opposite? What if that allows you to listen and be open with a beginner's mind? This idea that there is a new way, a different way. And guess what? It is new because you've never been in that situation at this time, in this moment with that person who's giving you the guidance. This moment is pure unto itself. It's never existed before. So that is a true and pure statement. It is new. You've never heard it on this day at this time with that person in this way. And what if you listen like that? Wow. The art of allowing is everywhere. Okay. That was maybe six. I don't know. I've lost my count now. Um, Seven gifts. Being able to receive birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. You know, it can get really weird around this. What a great way to practice. Um, Another one, um, eight, getting a massage or other physical treatments. Sometimes I go through so much of the treatment, just relaxing into it and allowing someone to do something for me. You know, and it's like, Oh man, that, that, that one is great because you have lots of opportunity to see how your head works when you're getting a physical treatment of some kind. And the last one, and maybe it's more for ladies, I don't know, but getting your hair done. And when they, they wash for me, it's a little bit around the physical treatment, but this is something that a lot of women um, do get done and just receiving it fully being present to it, um, allowing it to be how it is. And not having to need, not always dictating um, someone else into your your need of it. It's like really receiving what they're giving off. Oh my gosh! So you know, it all started with this idea that attraction marketing is anything but passive. And I hope I've given you a myriad of ways to practice not only excellence, but more so. And I'm I'm calling it excellence in life, which is being fully present to what's showing up in your world. And, and a lot of that is receiving because if you cannot receive, you cannot attract. So that's really where the work is to be done. You know, all these lists about what I want, I think you've got enough. I think, I think the universe knows what you want, but can you actually receive what it's delivering? So gang over and out for me, I know you've missed Natalie, but So have I. And she'll be back. Don't you worry. Over and out, dreamers. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
you've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.